0: Welcome. It's good to see everybody. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. We won't have a show of hands on on who ate too much, but since I'm up here, I'll tell you, yes, I ate too much. Not the day of, though I ate a lot, but the day after, and the day after, and then again today. So, I mean, it it just continues to carry on, and I think it will carry on for months after the celebration of Thanksgiving. But I'm glad that you're here this morning. And I'm also glad that uh, your family's here. We see a lot of family that are from out of town. If you're from out of town visiting your family here, thank you for coming to church. Welcome. It's good to see you. Good to see you here. We are doing a two week series on JBC's mission. JBC is Jefferson Baptist Church. That's our church. What is the mission um, of our church? Why do we preach sermons? Why do we evangelize? Why do we gather together? Why do we pray together? Why do we worship? Why? Everything in regards to what we do comes under a mission because it is the purpose of what drives us. So that mission statement is written in the back of your notes or the front of your notes, however you want to look at it. But on the back it says Jefferson Baptist mission statement. This was written by Pastor D in the early, um, um, <laughs> I say 1900s, in the early 90s. Yeah, probably the early 1900s. I'd say that as well. Yeah, you just kind of show his age. But the early 90s, um, this, Jefferson, uh, this is the mission statement has been written, and it's still the one that we hold true to today. It's still the one that drives us today. And it will be the one that will continue to drive us in the future um, as well. And the reason why is because it is a great mission statement. I just want to read kind of a summary. At the top two lines, you'll see a summary of the entire statement. Then you'll, of course, see details. Jefferson Baptist Church is growing to be a great church, Because it is pursuing the great commission by obeying the great commandment. And then the next paragraph, JBC is the I love you church. We are continually saying I love you to God, to each other, to the greater body of Christ, to those lost people around us, and to the entire world. So wrapped up in everything we do, our purpose, our drive, our mission is wrapped up into these statements. Then, of course, you get the details that are below it, but what? Why do we pick that mission statement? And why is that the mission statement that drives our church? Um, the mission statement is love God and love others. If you want to summarize it to make it very very simple, love God and love others. Why would that be the drive of our church? Why would that be the focus of our church? Why would that be the mission of our church? Matthew twenty two thirty seven is a verse we talked about last week. We talked about loving God, and this week we're talking about loving others. Um, is the verse that is the foundation that we use for this church. Matthew 22, twenty-two thirty-seven says this, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is just like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law of God. let's just look at this verse and maybe pull out some things that we haven't noticed before. Maybe we have noticed, but let's pull out a couple things from this verse as we look at it. Um, If you look at the two different commandments, you know what those two commandments are? They're offensive commandments as opposed to defensive commandments. They are offensive commandments. What do I mean by offensive commandments? It says, you shall love. What does the defensive commandment look like? A defense commandment, and I'm going to use a King James just to make it more interesting, thou shalt not. This says you shall, a defense, of, that's offense, a defense commandment would say you shall not. Now look at the Ten Commandments, what does it say? Thou shalt not have any other gods before you. Thou shalt not have any graven images. Thou shalt not commit idolatry. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not covet your neighbors. All those are defensive commandments. And here we have a statement that is two commandments, and these two commandments are powerful because at the very bottom it says, on these two commandments depend the whole law of all the prophets, meaning all the commandments that are ever written. And they're two offensive commandments. Not you thou shall not, thou shalt. Why is he using those two aggressive commandments? Well, I'll tell you that uh, offense always wins. Offense carries a power, offense carries a strength, offense carries a movement. When I was um, a youth pastor, our kids, uh, our young people loved playing paintball, and I know paintball is probably out, airsoft is probably in, but we did paintball, and, um, and I'm all about strategy. And The reason why I'm all about strategy is because I always want to win, and so my strategy is if you just hunker down and take aim, you can get anybody that comes close to you. So I did that. It was a defensive strategy. The result? I lost every time. <laughs> I lost every time. Offense always wins. In fact, when they are running out in front, I could not hit them, but then they circle behind me. I just, like, I just got swallowed every single time. Offense carries an extreme amount of power, an extreme amount of movement, an extreme amount of strength. It does not, offense does not provide you with information. Offense drives you to complete the information. Well, I'll just give you an example. Offensive defense, kind of put it into perspective. Um, Do not commit adultery. That provides you with information. But how do you prevent yourself from committing adultery? Well, that would be the offensive piece of it. Let's get a little more narrow. Pornography. Somebody comes in my office and says, okay, I'm addicted to pornography and I want to get it out of my life. How do you get it out of my life? Would I say, thou shalt not um, look at images? Thou shalt not look at pornography. Thou shalt not um, I wouldn't I wouldn't give them that information. And the reason why I wouldn't give them that information is because defense is always on your heels. And when you're always on your heels, it says in Romans, this is the law, in Romans, when you're on your heels, you get swallowed into the sin. Offense is always on their toes, ready to move. So I would not say, Thou shalt not look. I would say Thou shalt look right into the center of God's face, right into the center of God's holiness, right into the center of God's sacrifice, right into the center of God's mercy. Thou shalt read your Bible every day and open its pages and see the mercy, the grace, the power of the Spirit, and the strength of God. And this is on the topic of pornography. Thou shalt not look at this. No, I wouldn't say that. Thou shalt open up the Word and see His majesty and His glory. Thou shalt look at your wife. Thou shalt look at the destruction that happens in your relationship with your wife. Thou shalt look at the beauty of your wife. Thou shalt look at what it does to your relationship. Thou shalt look at what it does to your children. Thou shalt look at the impact that it has on your ministry. Thou shalt look at at what takes place with your joy level in life. Thou shalt look at the destruction you know that is happening. Thou shalt look at the impact. Thou shalt look at the destruction. Thou shalt look what takes place. And as you look, what's happening is you are filling your mind, your heart, and your soul with something good where pornography just doesn't really belong. But you see, that's offense. It's not defense. This is what takes place in Romans when it says, and you look at the law, it makes you want to complete the law. Thou shalt not. But when you look at God, what's going to happen? Good is going to come in your life. And as good as coming into your life, bad is going to come out. The difference between offense and defense. Same thing, you can use it with anger. Somebody has a major anger problem. Thou shalt not be angry. Oh, <laughs> well, I know that. <laughs> you know, if I, if I know that thou shalt not be angry, that doesn't drive me to the success of getting angry out of my life. Well, let's start looking at the offensive commandment. Look at the God who should be angry at you and who is not. Look at that. Observe that. Fill your mind with that. Look at mercy that should, you should not have, yet it's completely, decided, it's completely in, um, bestowed completely on you. Thou shalt look at what anger does to your family. Thou shalt look what anger does to you. Thou shalt look at what anger does to your children. Thou shalt look what kind of person you'd be if it was out of your life. Thou shalt look at the blessings that you have and observe into the blessings you have and see what happens is you are not playing defense. Thou shalt not, I will not, because that never fixes anything. You're saying thou shalt, because when you say thou shalt, you're always producing something. What's interesting about this passage is that the church is going to be planted with this foundation in mind. And it is an offensive commandment. Thou shalt love God and thou shalt love others is foundational for the church. But it only starts the foundation because then through the rest of the commandments, you don't see a whole bunch of thou shalt nots. What do you see? Thou shalt go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Thou shalt forgive. Thou shalt love. Thou shalt serve because you've been served. Thou shalt give because you've been given to You see what's taking place is that Jesus was going to plant the church and he was going to set the church on fire and the way that he set the church on fire is getting rid of the old law and putting in place the new law so the old law can literally be obsolete meaning be met be done away with as he's putting offensive commandments in place that you will not have any desire if you fill if you go if you move So it's always a pouring out that takes place. Thou shalt love God means you will produce. The other word I do want to look at in this is, you know, the commandment is an offensive commandment, but this offensive commandment is connected to the most powerful word in the English language, and I would even say well beyond the English language. I'd say even the world language, and the word is what? Is love. So you have an offensive commandment, and then you have the word love. What is love? Love is an expression. It is, if you are in love, you feel it. If you're in love, you know it. If you're in love, you show it. If you're in love, you act upon it. If you're in love, you, you think about it. Love always gives. It always consumes your thoughts. It always takes your energy. It always takes your time. Love always takes your emotion if you love money, what's it going to do? It takes your thoughts, it takes your time, takes your energy, it takes your emotion. It always moves. Love never sits still. In fact, if you love something, you're always gravitating towards somewhere. You can't say, I love something, and nothing happened. It can't be done. If you love hobbies, what's it going to do? It's going to take your time, it's going to take your energy, it's going to take your focus, it's going to take your emotions, it's going to take something from you, because love is a word that always moves. So you have a commandment that is opposite, uh, 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 that is offensive, and then you have a word that is extremely aggressive. We went to the snow on Friday and as a family, and my brother went as well with his family, and as we, so we went up there, we took our dogs, and I've got two really big dogs, and I have one really small dog. And when they get into the snow, I'll tell you that they get excited. And my big dogs just take off, and they run, 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 and my little dog takes off and runs, run, 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 run except... He literally has to plow his nose through the snow because it's deeper than, than, than the other dogs, but he's not going to sit in the truck. Absolutely not. He's going to run, 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 run through the snow, and then his face just fills with snow, and then all these snowballs start to come off of his face. It comes off of his hips. comes off of his thighs, and he's having so much fun, and then he comes back, and he's just like freezing cold. Absolutely freezing cold. Well, do I love my dog? Yes, I love my dog, but do you know what my wife did? Do you know what my children did? They picked up my dog and said, Mike, your dog is cold. Aren't you gonna take care of your dog? I said, ah, he's all right. So do you know what they do? They start taking care of my dog. They start pulling all of the snowballs off of him. They put him in the truck, they're rubbing him. They get him next to their clothes, which they are cold because you know, it's cold outside. And they're getting wet in the process of doing that. They are sacrificing their own stuff for the purpose of taking care of my dog. I had to evaluate myself. Do I really love my dog? I didn't produce anything in love for my dog and they produced a whole bunch in love for my dog. I mean, I will tell you, I love my dog, but hopefully it's with words and deeds, but then it was just with words. But when there's a really rich amount of love that takes place, you're always responding. You're always doing. There is nothing that is going to sit still. Look at the first commandment. Love God. According to that verse, it is the foremost and most important commandment. It is an offensive commandment connected to the most powerful word in the language everyone speaks. It is going to be aggressive and it is going to produce. First commandment. Now what's interesting what God does with that commandment is he says, I'm going to give you another one. And the other one is exactly like it. In fact, it is the same because you loving God, being a offensive commandment and being a love, a word that produces, you loving God is going to do something to you. It's going to make you move. It's going to make you go. It's going to take your thoughts. It's going to take your energy. It's going to take your time. It's going to take your emotion. And he says, the next commandment I'm going to give you is just like it. Love me and something is going to happen. So let's look at our notes. How do you express love to God? Because if you express love to God, something is going to happen. Why? Because it's an offensive commandment and it's an aggressive word. Something is going to happen. How do you express this love to God? Look at number three, or number one. Love your neighbor, forgive your neighbor, pray for your neighbor. You see, God doesn't need anything from you. God doesn't need anything from you. But he knows somebody who does. He knows somebody who does. And he put those two commandments together for the purpose of building his church. He doesn't need anything from us. He knows somebody does. Therefore, he says, if you love me, you must obey the second commandment. Not almost, you must obey, you will automatically do the second commandment. And your expression for love to me is an expression that you believe that I even love you. Because love always takes a profession. A profession of love without demonstration is absolutely completely empty. Just like I said, I love my dog, but I did not have any demonstration. If you say you love God, there must be a demonstration and it's interesting how God points it to other people. If you love sports but you never watch them or you never play them or you never even have anything to do with them, then there's no demonstration that you love them. You just make a, a statement. There's no, nothing that's gravitated to your heart. You're just making a statement. If you love hobbies but you don't have any and you don't do any and you're not consumed emotionally and time and money towards those directions, then you don't love hobbies because it's not a demonstration. Same way, if you don't love others, according to this passage, then there's not a demonstration that you love God. Forgive your neighbors. Why would you forgive your neighbors? Forgiving your neighbors makes an expression to God that you believe he has forgiven you, and you love him for doing it. See, we don't need to forgive God for anything, but we have all these people around us that have wronged us, have all these people around us have done something wrong, and God needs to forgive us for everything. The way that I can express to God appreciation for that forgiveness is to literally love our brothers and love our sisters. Pray for, their, pray for your neighbor. God prayed for you. God prayed for your soul. God prayed for his disciples as he sent them out. God prayed for the church. If we love God, we will show an expression to our neighbor. How can we express that? We can pray for our neighbor. One of the last words and last phrases that Jesus explained to Peter, this is after his death, burial, and resurrection, um, he has a conversation with Peter. And I just want to read this conversation that he's having with Peter, and because this is a conversation that's going to launch the church. And let's look at this, John uh, John, twenty-one, fifteen. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus then said to him, well, then tend my lambs. There's a verb. Do you love me? Do something about it, tend my lambs. He said to him the second time, Jesus said the second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Then Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. It's interesting looking at those last two statements in that last verse. Peter says, you know everything, Lord. Therefore, you know that I love you. But Jesus was practically saying, but Peter, you don't know you love me until you tend my sheep. In fact, you can't even express love to me unless you tend my sheep. Because the response of loving me is a response to the neighbors. John, 1 John four nineteen says, if someone says, I love you, John, or love God, John is very bold and says, and hates his brother, he is a liar. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should love his brother also. The two are completely entirely connected. Number two, how do you serve God? You know, you'll understand the concept. Well, what do you do? You serve your neighbor. You take care of your neighbor. You visit your neighbor. You watch over your neighbor. You serve people. The way you serve God is to serve people. God has taken this so far that he says, when you serve people, you literally serve me. In Matthew, he gives us this parable of um, a judgment that is going to take place. It's, it's not even a parable. It's instructions, instructions of this judgment that's going to take place. And it's found in Matthew 25. And, and we'll see how serious Jesus is about us loving others. Then the king will say to those on his right, this is a judgment that's going to happen. Come you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the earth. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to eat. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, God, (laughs) let me ask you a question. When did we see you hungry? Have you ever been hungry, God? When have we seen you hungry and feed you? I don't remember doing that. I do not remember feeding you, God. Or thirsty and giving you something to drink. And when do we see you a stranger? God, are you a stranger? I didn't think you were a stranger, but when do we see you as a stranger and then invite you in? Or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick? God, have you ever gotten sick before? When did we see that? I don't understand what you're talking about, God. When did we see you sick or in a prison? God, did you go to prison? And when did we come to you? The king, God, will answer and say to them, truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to the least of these brothers, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not take care of you? Then God will answer them. Truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. God will not judge us, only judge us for what we do. God will judge us for what we don't do because what we don't do is an expression of our love to God. The commandments are offensive, a lot more work than defensive commandments. In fact, defensive commandments are comfortable, but the commandments are offensive, meaning that we have to be on the balls, balls of our feet rather than on our heels and be aggressively loving people for the purpose of expressing our love to God. And then we'll go back to First John says, you don't even love me if you don't love your brother. You see how he's coupled these two commandments with such power? And also, do you see how he's coupled these two commandments to launch a powerful, powerful church? Do you see how he has coupled these two commandments to literally change the world? It's exactly what he's doing. He's changing the world, not by defensive commandments, not by a law, but by a spirit living in us for the purpose of moving, acting, going, and sending. Number three, how do you give to God? I think we're getting the system down. You preach the gospel to the whole world. Make the disciples of all nations. Give towards the ministry of the gospel. What does God want? What does God need? What does God desire? You know, uh, God has absolutely everything. But there are some things that he desires that are on earth that he wants us to go after and pick up. And you know what that is? That is an unsaved person. That's why you get the aggressive commandment, Go into all the world in Matthew 16. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Go pick them up and bring them to me. Do you love me? Then you'll go pick them up and bring them to me. Do you love me? Then you will go pick them up and bring them to me. Because this is the way we can express it. Matthew 28, go therefore make disciples. I want disciples to be made because then the multiplication process takes place as a result of people being picked up and brought to God. John 14:23 If anyone says he loves me, he will obey what I say. And what he says, the majority of what he says in the New Testament is offensive commandments that sets the church aflame. Offensive commandments that sets lives aflame, ready to work. The way that God designed us to express love to him is to love others. If the first and foremost commandment is to love God, our showing it will be specifically loving others. It is our mission at JBC to love because we have been loved by God. It should be your mission as an individual to love because you have been loved by God. It is our mission at JBC, speaking of all of us, whether we're here or not, it is our mission to forgive because we have been forgiven by God and to express our faith in God of God forgiveness and our appreciation of God forgiveness, when we forgive everybody else for the purpose of just expressing that to God. It's our mission to pray because we've been prayed for by God. Therefore, we pray for others. It is our mission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creatures because Christ left heaven. He came to earth and lived a perfect life, died in our stead, rose again, gave us the Holy Spirit for this purpose. God did all the work And then all we need to do is all the running to show all the work that was done for them. It's our mission to serve because we have been served by God. It's our mission to give because we've been given to by God. God is not requiring a whole bunch of rituals like the Old Testament. He's not requiring a whole bunch of sacrifice that took place in the Old Testament. In fact, sacrifice was done, sacrifice was completed, all done at the cross And then he says, I will take my spirit and I will put it in you for the purpose of sending you out on a commandment that is aggressive because it's offense, on a commandment that is aggressive because the center of it is love, and on a commandment that is powerful because the base of it is love God and love others. And when that takes place, something will be done. In fact, when that takes place, the world will be changed and all determined on whether we take, it takes place in our life or our body or not. God, we just thank you, God, for simplifying everything. God, you've given us two commandments that, um, that we must obey. And God, as we obey these commandments, God, the whole law will be done. And I just pray, God, that you would empower us as a church, that you would empower us as individuals to obey the commandment to love you and to obey the commandment to love others. I just pray that it will be the motivation, the drive of our church, and the motivation and the drive of our lives. In Christ's name, amen.